Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop us. I like you, like you not. That's when it got wheels off. Joe Garner is the colonel. The colonel is Joe Garner. It's um probably technically a band. It's kind of a character that he put together, and this is the third album of a trilogy with that project. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to put words in Joe's mouth. I'm just trying to sort of explain what's happening here, what you're getting into. But Joe is a great songwriter. These songs are really cool and weird and subversive, but maybe not on their face. Maybe on their face, you think this this sounds like 60s, 70s, old school country when country was last really good. But his stuff is really good. His new record, Listen to the Blood, I was able to hear an, an advance of it, and it's great. His new video for Fight Song is out in the world already, featuring Caitlin Rose, the great Caitlin Rose. Anyway, Joe is a really smart, interesting dude, and this conversation that we had was everything I hoped it would be, because he's forthcoming and open and intelligent and self-reflective and all the things that that I hope for when I sit down to do the wheels off thing with a creative person. And Joe is just that. He's a very creative person. I look forward to you guys hearing this. I was so excited to get to meet him and pleasantly surprised. You know, you just never know what somebody's going to be like. And guess what? Turns out he's a sweet dude, great dude, deep thinker, self-reflective. I already said that, (laughs) but... Oh, but I love that. It makes for such a good conversation when someone has that quality. Anyway, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Please welcome Joe Garner, a.k.a. The Colonel. Welcome to Wheels Off, Joe Garner, a.k.a. The Colonel. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, afternoon. Uh, who knows what time it is? Hi. Yeah, we're we're musicians. That's just that's just one big block of time: the morning yeah. and the afternoon. The big flat circle. Um, <laughs> for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? From my home in Jackson, Tennessee, right off of I forty, um, an hour from Memphis, two hours from Nashville. Damn, Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, is that we got married in a fever, Jackson? That's what we we claim it, you know. But the the Mississippians also claim it, so. Uh, the jury's out, though. I don't. I don't know. We'd have to look. At, we'd have to dig into the the files to figure out who who uh, you know what, what the intentions were. But but yeah, you know, Carl Perkins is from here, and um, you know, between being between Memphis and Nashville, it's just kind of a little hot shot, you know, from one town to the other. So I mean, it's more plausible to me that it would be Jackson, Tennessee. But who knows? Yeah, the old ninety sevens have a song called Bloomington, and I always have people from Illinois and Indiana asking <laughs> if it's their Bloomington, and I always just say yes. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, by the record, <laughs> yes, it's your town. <laughs> um, so 
I love the new album. I don't think people are able to hear it yet widely. Um, Listen to the blood. It's freaking great. It's got such a fat sound. Oh my God. Recorded in muscle shoals. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I have a feeling that since we're doing this interview now and the record's about to drop, the answer to this might be more about um, doing press than actual creativity, but who even knows what you've got going on. So I'll ask um, what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm definitely coming off of this, you know, on the come down of, of this record, because this record was supposed to be out last summer, you know, of mm. course, with the, it was just a, one of those perfect timing things. So I've been sitting on this thing for close to two years, really, you know, so it's, it's a little brutal, you know, to have, have that stuff just sitting there. Um, so I'm really glad to finally get some of this stuff rolling out. And I don't know if you feel this way, but when, when those kind of situations, um, are such as that, it's hard for me to kind of get my mind around the next phase. Cause I always think about these things in terms of blocks of just phases, you know, like this record, you know, it represents the, this set of things to me and then this one and then this one. So this, uh, this season has been a little bit weird. Um, I mean, I've tried my hand at other forms of, of writing and, and stuff just to kind of keep the things going. Um, but yeah, right now I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, I'm kind of peeling back the weeds and wondering what's out there next. You know, um, I just, I just got home from a tour yesterday. I've been playing bass with this guy named Riley Downing and, um, he was in a group called the Deslons. I don't know if you're familiar with that band, but they're a great band. We did like this West Coast run. It was kind of my first foray back into being gone for a month and all that and saw a lot of great stuff. I'm feeling a little bit more inspired, you know, than I have been in the last few months. So who knows? I don't know what what's next, but um, it's kind of been a struggle writing songs over the pandemic. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen next, you know, which is well, kind of a nice feeling. I'm intrigued by this. Um the idea that you're trying out other media you talking about like fiction short stories because i i hear in your writing that you're a great storyteller and really funny great way with words i could see you writing fiction yeah i've tried i've been trying to write some short stories you yeah. know and i've you know got got some cool rejection letters and you know <laughs> full the full thing i just told myself at the beginning of the pandemic i want to try to just pop out some short stories just to see and i'm gonna send it to here and here and just fully accept that I'm going to get a rejection, but that's kind of my goal, you know, and, and I did it. So, you know, we'll see if I go back and revisit it, but I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily talented uh, in the short story realm, but you know, everything Man, takes practice. <laughs> I could imagine that you would be just from listening to your songs. I won't, but I wonder, Hey, I don't know if you've read it or not, but the Stephen King book on writing. Man, is, I am reading it right now. How did you know that? It's that's insane. Best, isn't it? That is, uh, it, there's a bookmark in that book right now. I didn't bring it on tour, but but I didn't quite finish it before I left. That is so funny you said that. I'm well, reading it right now. You made me think of it because of your rejection letters, right? And he had his spike uh, on the wall and he would always put the rejection letters on yeah. the spike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fitting thing to put rejection letters on too. Just stab it in there. You know? Yeah. Run yeah. the risk of driving it through your palm, stigmatizing yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The self-stigmata, the classic. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I guess the point is, like, if you're getting rejection letters, don't feel bad. Obviously, Stephen King had a spike full of them before he started getting anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of the process, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so great. As someone who has done 
these things and tried to do these things that you do, I wonder, does it feel good? Does it feel rewarding to you to, to write fiction? Does it, is it something that comes naturally to you? How does, how's it working? I mean, I think of writing songs in terms of entering into a world, you know, and occupying a new space and trying to, well, let's pan over here and see what's over here and describe that. And um, I mean, I think with the kernel project, especially it's, it's not really about me as much as it is putting myself into this specific thing in my head. Um, so I think it does align with, with fiction writing in that way. And it is really enjoyable when you, you know, it's that feeling when you're just like, you're just rolling and it's just coming out, whether it's good or not, whatever it's, it's that mode, you know, you're in the, you're, the, the gears are churning and, and it's just, a, I mean, it's the same thing with writing songs. Whenever you get past that little hump, you know, and it's like, you know, you're in it and it's really invigorating, you know, um, I think anyone who writes probably has that um, gets to that point where they feel that way. But yeah, it, it does feel that way with, with um, trying to write some short stories too. You know, you just kind of put yourself in the world and, you know, say what you see, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I enjoy it. It's funny you, the way you, you said it really quickly, but there's a lot, it, 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 uh, it does a lot of work that you, um, you get in the moment and whether it, oh, whether you feel like it's good or not, right? Because there's a world of voices in your head, maybe shouting that it isn't, but then you are able to get past it. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting thing that it does to you, you know, uh, and, and trying to listen to the right voices and, uh, you know, it really, I think it really does help. I think it would help anyone to try to do that. You know, because I think a lot of us are bombarded with a lot of voices that we listen to that we don't want to listen to, but we don't know how not to listen to them, you know, and I think writing can help you kind of hone in on some of that and just, you know, at least say, here's one path. You know, when you're telling a story, you have to stick to one path, you know, I think it's a healthy thing to do, but yeah. Boy, well, I, I can't wait to read your stuff. I actually, I saw the video you did with Caitlin Rose um, for the new song and it's really great like i feel like there's a whole story music videos obviously don't don't get the the attention that they once got but um and i don't know i mean i for one don't make a lot of them but i love that you made it and it feels like it's a tiny film is what it felt like yeah yeah joshua shoemaker we've done a few things together and he's he's great he loves to do these walk and sync type things he's like we can bite off five hours and you know come up with a concept and just you know, bang it out and you know um, it's fun to work that way too. And he's great. It's, it, you know, especially after not having worked with anyone for a while with the pandemic, it was really nice to just jump into a little project, you know, for a couple of days and, and, you know, hammer some stuff out and get back in there, you know? Um, I wonder about, because I think your story is so interesting and I've been able to, um, over the last couple of three years that I've been doing these interviews, I've been able to speak to folks who have grown up in all sorts of different kinds of families. And, um, and I see your upbringing having a lot in common with um, like uh, Roseanne Cash or Patterson Hood, folks who grew up in a, in a musical family with a sort of mantle to bear in a lot of ways. But I wonder for you, like how you became aware that you would do this. And if you remember like an epiphany moment. You know, it was kind of a, there was there were a few things that happened at the same time. Um, 
And I was just telling someone this the other day because, and I'd kind of forgotten about it, but we were talking about uh, synesthesia (laughs) and uh, I was talking to someone about it and they didn't know what it was. And I was describing, you know, well, it's this color, you know, with this and this. And, and um, it reminded me that when I graduated college, I worked at the college for about five years as a recruiter. And um, I was, you know, I was trying to write poetry and things like this. And, you know, I was like a worship leader, you know, for a while. And so I knew how to play some chords. And at some point I started trying to, well, maybe I'll try a song, you know. And um, and so I started trying to piddle at that a little bit. And uh, and around this time, my dad passed away. And this has been this was like 2007 or eight, something like that. And um there were a lot of loose ends with him and, and and just between us personally. And um, so I remember being at work one day and I was talking to this, this girl and she said that she had, she was a synesthete (laughs) and, uh, and she said, I see everyone as a certain color. And I said, well, what color am I? And she said, you're a bright red. She said, there's only two bright reds that, that work here. It's like you and the Dean or whatever, or the, the, <laughs> yeah, the Dean of students, you're both like the same bright red. And, um, I don't know if you read, read about this, but I found this suit in the attic of my parents' house. Uh, and it was a bright red suit and there was just like, a, okay, this is kind of weird. You know, what should I do with this? And, uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll just put it on it. And, um, and I was really, I was really into like iron and wine and like Nick Drake and trying to do some like finger style stuff, you know, <clears throat> but at that point, uh, you know, it was like, well, dad's gone, you know, Dell, Dell Reeves, who I grew up with, you know, he's gone. And there's this whole, this whole side of music that I was raised with that just wasn't seeing, you know, uh, as much. I mean, a lot of this music, um, um, my memories of it, you know, uh, even with like some pretty big Opry stars, my, my dad and Dale would bring them down to the little community I grew up in called Pinewood, about an hour southeast of Nashville. Uh, and they would just play like they would cook a hog all night, you know, and and be just drinking all night and a lot of fun memories from that kind of stuff. But then they, at some point they would get the guitars out, you know, with a little PA and they would sing a bunch. They would just sing, you know, and I just love that environment, you know, of, you know, it's not a concert hall. It's not a theater. Uh, you know, there's little kids running around. Um, and I just love that. I love that feeling, you know, of music um, in that sort of rural you know, for no reason setting. And that's the kind of thing that I think I started, you know, well, maybe I'll just dig into this a little bit more. And of course, put my own, you know, stories and perspectives or whatever on that. Um, But yeah, it it did feel like a mantle in some ways, you know. Um, And also, I think, you know, when I started the project, which is about 10 years ago, I, I really wanted to prove something to my dad, you know, and to say, you know, oh, I can do this. You know, I'm good at this. I'm competent. You know, is this kind of that like insecure son stuff, you know? And of course it's changed over the years, but, but that's kind of the, where I started the project and um, yeah. So there, there's kind of a jangled answer there. I don't know. <laughs> so you, you came to it kind of late, like you really had no musical aspirations yeah. before your mid twenties. Yeah. I was about 27, I guess when my dad died. Yeah. Wow. And I just turned 40. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, you know, um, yeah, it definitely came to it a little bit later. Happy birthday, sure. by the way. Oh, I- <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I need all the happiness I can get, you know, that four zero starts messing <laughs> with your brain a little. <laughs> um, well, I love it. I mean, I, for one, you know, I, I love the way I think, and I think that the, you coming from a world of Nick Drake and, and folks who, 
you know, really are maybe more lyrical or more like weirdly melodic and a lot of minor chords and stuff. And then filtering it through that kind of really great classic country, kind of 70s country. I mean, that's that's probably an apt description, right? Yeah, yeah, 60s, okay. 70s, 60s, yeah. 70s, yeah. I just, I know I grew up listening to that stuff. And I mean, I don't live in Nashville. I imagine this is a conversation that people around in, in around Tennessee get sick of, but the, the way country music is these days just drives me crazy. So to hear, to hear your, especially this new record, I just, I think it's, it's so great. It marries to me, the, those two things perfectly, like the poetry of someone who's really thinking about the lyrics and not phoning it in or leaning on cliche or, or trope um, with, you know, like a really classic um, sound. I love that. Good job. Yeah. It's thanks. Yeah. It's so much about the, the feel, you know, of, you know, let's, if someone comes to one of my shows, I want them to say, even if they don't like the music, that's fun. You know, that's, you know, that's fun. I don't like it, but you know, this guy's a dodo, but this is fun. You know, uh, I get how someone would like this, you know, these sounds and, and when, you know, country music, uh, you know, always, um, I just have a lot of good memories about, you know, feeling, feeling good, listening to the music and, you know, and I love writing because you can kind of sneak in whatever you want, you know, in there. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like what Cowboy Jack Clement said, you know, if you're if you're making music and you're not having fun, you're not making music, you know, I mean, especially with country music. I mean, it's um, but yeah, uh, I mean, that's sort of been the goal, you know, is to try to write songs with because when I started the band, we were all in Jackson yeah. and I thought, you know, I want to write music that these guys enjoy, you know, and play to their you know, to their passions too. Like my lead guitar player who's been with me from the beginning. His name's Cotton, Cotton Clifton. He's kind of like a blues rock shredder guy, you know? So I'm like, well, I need to do a little something over here so he can turn loose and give a little something for the stoners over here, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of it's just, you know, if you can build that and enjoy it with the band, you know, with the bubble, like I, I heard one time Roy Acuff talk about um, no, no member of the band should be any more than five feet from anyone. You know, it's like that. that tight, that bubble, you know, nothing can penetrate this, this bubble, you know, and that's always stuck with me too. You know, if you can write something that everyone enjoys and you're all locked in, you know, then it's, you know, it's going to be successful even if no one hears it, you know? <laughs> well, that's, it's funny that you mentioned that because listening to it, I really, I, I imagined that it would play really well live. Like I was trying to imagine, I don't know how long you've known Caitlin Rose, but I was, I was imagining her going out to a club and watching you rock and being like, like Green Green Sky, I bet is a guitar that is a is your guitar player probably loves playing that song. Like that's yeah. a rocker, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we did. We talked about it a little bit earlier about like the voices in your head and having to sort of fight through the sort of negative interior monologue. And and I wonder. This is really the thing that fascinates me the most in a lot of ways. Because we all have it, you know, at this point, I've interviewed over 100 people for just this little wheels off thing. And everybody I talk to in all these different creative walks of life, even the people who I would never imagine because they're so successful and seem so confident, we all deal with these um, self-generated obstacles. And so I wonder for you, when you come up against that negative voice, when you come up against the doubt um, or you know, like the, the things that come up a lot, imposter syndrome, success, guilt, you know, all these, these kind of um, these problems that you would think we wouldn't have to deal with. And yet we do when you run up against those, how do you get through that? 
oh man, um, <laughs> there's definitely been some junctures in life where I don't know how, except I just, you know, kept living, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which really comes in handy, you know, just, <laughs> just sticking around and, and um, yeah, because sometimes it does get so difficult that, um, you know, that's the thing about life. Sometimes things are so hard for certain people that they never quite get over it, you know, and that's just a, a, a tough truth. Um, and I, I think music is one of those reminders that, you know, maybe it's possible to get through some of these things and to, you know, conquer some of these um, inherited uh, demons or whatever you want to describe that, you know, I mean, because that's, that's what we do. We, we don't know how to deal with our trauma. So we pass it on and try to, you know, we, we give it a stiff arm and say, you deal with it, son, you know, yeah. and um, you know, and it just gets compounded. And, and I, I really, you know, this, this project for me has, you know, I've wanted to represent to myself a way, an avenue, you know, um, by which to, well, not necessarily that, you know, this process is going to heal me, but it's, it's a more of like a reminder that you can, you can try, you know, you, you can make an attempt, um, you know, like with album artwork, you know, uh, uh, you know, with, I've only, I only plan to make three kernel records. Uh, I, and when I started, I said, I'm going to do an arc. I'm going to, I'm going to be born. I'm going to stand up tall and then I'm going to pass away. So my album artwork, you know, is me laying face down, you know, and so I'm passing away and, um, and I wanted that uh, I wanted to be able to look back at all this artwork and say, see, look what you did, Joe. You know, you, you, you rebirthed yourself, you know, in an attempt to address these things. And then you stood up tall, you know, and you represented your own strength to yourself. And then you, you put it to rest and maybe now you can move on. Um, you know, at the time, I didn't realize that I was like, you know, hurling myself into my own trauma, <laughs> you know, and, and that caused some problems, you know. Um, but now I, I realize kind of, you know, some of the negative parts of, of, of doing that, you know, but also I think the representational part of it for me is something I'm going to take strength from for the rest of my life, you know, and I, you know, I don't know what other people think about that, you know, what they perceive, you know, you never really know what people think, but I think when you make, when you're making something like this, you know, it's, it's really, at least my perspective on it is me speaking to myself, um, and letting others eavesdrop. Um, uh, because, you know, it's like, uh, we've all played shows with five people out there and it would you know, and if there's no one out there and you're performing, where do you source, you know, this from, if there's no one out there, you know, it's got to come from within, you know? And, uh, so I've always kind of looked at it that way. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question at all, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I've wanted to represent a, a path to myself to remind myself that I do have the strength and the power to make decisions to better myself and to be a better person in the world. And, and, uh, and with music, you know, you're having fun along the way. So, you know, there's no, you know, you don't need an excuse for that. Well, I think it's so brave though. Even just that sentence, I'm hurling myself into my own trauma. I mean, people spend their entire lives trying to outrun or drink away or mm -hmm. somehow, you know, um, get through without having to face their trauma and you do, and you're doing the opposite, um, at least with this project. But I think it, it seems like in general with your art, that's something that you really are intentionally walking right up to the fire. And, and like, like you say, we could just uh, pass it on to our kids or whatever and not deal with it. But it seems like in the, in making art, not only are you having fun, but you're also, you know, dealing with it. You're trying to stop the cycle of trauma. 
Is that is that I'm putting words? Yeah, or at least yeah, or at least try to represent it to yourself because it, it's probably inevitable that yeah, you're gonna pass on. You're yeah. you know <laughs> you're, you're look you're not yeah. gonna yeah your kids are gonna be like oh my dad gee. <laughs> Yeah, such an idiot. (laughs) Even if you're trying your hardest, you know. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, and and look, my life has not been, you know, difficult. You know, I mean, I've I've had a good life, and you know, but but that's the thing about trauma is, you know, it it, uh, it's pretty sneaky, you know, and um, and it's 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 hard to it's hard to get a flashlight on it, you know. Um, But I think that it, it it. the attempt is, is, um, yeah, it's worthwhile. And I think art is a, is a great, you know, that this is why we need these things, you know, I mean, um, cause I think if you're honest with yourself and you represent some of that trauma and you try to, you know, address it, you know, other people will feel that too, you know, especially with a song like fight song. A lot of my songs aren't really about me and, and stuff, but that one is, you know, that one's, you know, I've been married for 15 years and it was just after, a, you know, kind of a disagreement, you know, with my wife and you go in the other room and slam the door and sit at the piano and, you know, try to get something out and and be honest about it. And yeah, that that song was a um, my wife doesn't like it because she's like, <laughs> oh, she's like, oh, I don't want to be reminded of, of that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how it works, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I feel that what you just said. I know that feeling. <laughs> and it's such a great song and it's such a fun, funny. And it's, but it is funny, right? When you walk right up to something, it, it almost like it takes the power away from it or it, it yeah. makes it seem manageable because you're managing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're at least. And that's why I keep coming back to this word, like this representational aspect, because it's you're not necessarily you still have to do, you know, the things in your life, you know, to change things, you know, but this is a, a way to say, all right, you can do it, buddy. You know, here's the song and here's, you know, this represent, you know, this representation of what it looks like if you were to make these decisions in your real life, you know, and, and hopefully it encourages, you know, change and, and betterment and all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh my God. I love it. Joe Garner, AKA the Colonel. I'm so glad I get to talk to you. I really love the new record. And uh, the video for Fight Song is out in the world, right? I didn't just get a sneak preview of that. It is. Yeah, it's been out for a week and a half or two weeks, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. so that's that's a video of a great new song, which in a perfect world would be a giant hit and you'd be rich for the rest of your life. For a few Um, months. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which would be nice also. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that also features Caitlin Rose, who I've worked with before too, who is so great and I love her. Um, anyway, I, I, I think it's really great. So I, I feel like there's been a lot already of really useful stuff that you've laid on our listeners and me today. I'm wondering if you could distill it a little, imagine if you were to run into a 21 year old version of yourself, but in today's world, um, what advice might you give yourself? Ooh, whoa. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, just to give you some context, I didn't have a drink of alcohol till I was about 26. Uh, I was a pretty, um, pretty uh, moral. Uh, I don't know. How, you know, I was a very sort of Christian kid, you know, I mean, I wasn't raised that way. My, my parents didn't have anything to do with church at all. But, you know, when I turned about 17, 18, I, you know, I think I think I didn't know how to deal with with um, some things in my life. And I think a lot of people turn 
you know, two churches because of that, uh, which is great. Um, but I think, um, you know, <clears throat> in the way that we do, you, you, you don't know how to deal with something. So kind of like you said earlier, you turn to drinking. You, it's kind of funny to correlate drinking with going to church, you know, but there it's kind of a, you know, it's like, have you ever seen the Simpsons movie, by the way, that oh, yeah. came out several years ago? A lot, I think about this scene all the time when like the world's ending and they have the overhead shot of the church and the bar and all the people in the bar run out and the church people run out and they all like scream and they switch spots and they all, all the church people come I think about that all the time because I'm like, man, that is funny how that, how similar those things can be. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I didn't, I didn't know, I thought that I was dealing with, you know, with things by, you know, but doing that. And then, you know, eventually my wife and I, you know, we haven't been involved with, with the, you know, church, you know, life in a long time. And, and uh, you know, and all those things started bubbling back up, you know, and it's like, hey, knock, knock, I'm still here. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do now? You know, you've been sort of, you know, you know, pouring, you know, some kind of, you know, numbing agent over this for a long time. And now it's time for you to, you know, feel all this again. And, and of course, you know, the, the mental health aspects of that, and, you know, I've had a few little rough patches, you know, um, just, um, not knowing how to deal with things, you know? And uh, so I think I, I would probably, um, <laughs> I would probably try to be a little more realistic with myself if I talked to my 21 year old self, you know, and just say, listen, you know, this is going to be hard, but, you know, you've got good friends, you got good family, you know, around, just take it slow and, um, you know, and try to be honest uh, with yourself. I don't know. That's a tough one, man. Um, sometimes you look back and you're like, I don't even know that. I don't even know who this person is. You know, I actually was cleaning my house the other day and um, I knocked a journal off of the, like off of a shelf. It was just kind of like a movie, you know, you pick it up and you're like, whoa, and I uh, picked it up and I was like, I'm going to read. And I just sat for like three hours and just read the whole thing. And I thought, who is this guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in the world? No idea, you know, who this person even is. It's funny how that works, you know. <laughs> how old were you in the journal? I was like 23. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like journaling every day, you know, and like this girl, and uh, maybe she likes me, you know. It's funny, man. It's funny reading that stuff because I don't I don't really journal anymore. I journaled a lot when I was younger, but I, I don't really do that kind of thing anymore. But yeah, well, I'm that's glad a good you... question, though. I'm going to think of a good answer to that one and, and hearing about six hours and <laughs> think, oh, I really wish I would have said this. No, no, I think you did great. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, really, it's one thing that comes up so often in response to that question is that the 21 year old you would just, you know, show you the palm and say, whatever, old man. Um, right. Because we don't listen to our older selves in this scenario. But um, I'm really glad that you brought up just the idea of mental health, because I know um, that it's something that when I'm not on in front of a microphone and I'm talking to friends, it, you know, it comes up a lot. It's like, you know, just it's hard to be a human being and it's hard to be, especially perhaps, and maybe this is uh, uh, the, the artist self-congratulating, but it's hard to be like empathetic and sensitive and all those things that artists kind of have to be to do their job. Um, but it's good. I mean, it seems like I'm glad you brought it up because it is definitely something that people ignore or hide or pretend, you know, when they're living their Instagram story, life isn't a thing, but it's hard, right? And you need to, sometimes yeah. you got to find help, whether it's friends or a professional. 
Yeah, especially as you get older, too, because you think, you know, every year ticks by, you think, well, I'm supposed to be one of these people that is, you know, a full on adult who's got it figured out, you know, and <laughs> don't you get it figured out at some point? And, and there's then the added pressure, you know, um, my mom is uh, she's German Irish, but she has all these funny little sayings, you know, that she heard her grandparents they, who like spoke German and stuff. And uh, when she says is too old, too soon, too late, too smart. You know, and I always wow. like that. And that, that's a good one because, like, you figure stuff out and you're like, oh, it's time to go now, time to die. You mm. know, and that's just how it, how it works. But uh, yeah, I kind of want to like decrease those margins in any way that I can, you know, so that maybe I could be a healthy, a healthy person. But it takes, it takes work. I mean, every day and it takes honesty. And, and, um, I mean, especially with the, the social media stuff that we deal with these days, I mean, it really, I don't know if we're going to know for a long time, the effects of some of this stuff, you know, because it seems so lighthearted and, and so simple and so helpful. And, um, but it really, um, you know, I, I equate music output as social media. I mean, so to me, like social media is redundant, you know, from, for me, you know, it's like, this is why, I mean, everybody wants to be heard, you know, uh, or most of us do. And music is, you know, when I first started and, you know, when you were kind of starting, you know, that this was the outlet, you know, this is like, if you're, if you can write something compelling, then people will listen to you. And now it's, if you've got a phone, you know, ostensibly people are listening to you, you know I mean? But we all feel this same, you know, we all feel that we are doing the same stuff, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, di it gets dicey upstairs, doesn't it? Sometimes these it days. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I have a question, just my own curiosity. Do you think that you really will retire the Colonel after this album? This is the third, right? Yeah. Th yeah, yeah. It's the third. Talk to the yeah. blood, listen to the blood. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I wanted to, because I was raised in a musical family and, and, you know, you, you see what happens to people uh, who stick around the music business too long. You know, if you can find your niche, then great, you know, but, but I grew up seeing a lot of these guys, you know, who, they just didn't know when to get out. And so they just kept doing it and they got weirder and weirder. And, you know, they're living like, I remember this, this one guy that, that played with Dale for a long time, you know, he just got divorced and he just lived in this tiny camper, like in a parking lot, you know, and he was an amazing pianist, you know, and he's just kind of wasting away in this camper because he, he doesn't have anything anymore, you know? So I just, you know, I've always kind of had this in the back of my head that, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I want to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And if it catches, cool. If not, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, I need to do some co-writes to try to get an Americana, you know, award, you know, nomination or something like it's just not my thing, you know. Um, so like I want to do it under on my own terms and, you know, live two hours from Nashville like an idiot. You know, it's like you're just if you live in Nashville, you know, you, you hop around and you see someone at a coffee shop and then it's like, Hey, let's go on tour. And then boom, boom, boom. That's how Nashville works. You know, but I'm over here two hours away, you know, shooting myself in the foot. So it's, you know, um, or, or are you being smart? <laughs> or, I don't know. Well, I'm definitely staying out of it, you know? Yeah. And, but there, there are certain times where I'm like, Hey guys, throw me the ball, you know, like take me on tour, you know? And it's like, well, you didn't really, you didn't really play the game the way the right way to do that you know oh so it's God. you know i'm kind of at the mercy of 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 some of those elements but but yeah i mean i i wanted to have my give myself a way out to say if, all right if i want to you know put a mile marker down you know start a new venture um 
you know, I, I can do that. Um, because it's tough, man. It, it, you know, you know how it is. I mean, it, it's tough out here when you're, um, uh, you know, you only have so many listeners and, and you're not quite, you know, breaking through, um, you know, it's a slog and it's, it's, it's great and lovely, but at some point, you know, um, the, the enjoyment of, of doing it all, you know, starts to decrease with some of those challenges, you know? And so I'm just kind of in a spot at this point in my life where, you know, I'm trying to weigh it out. And again, back to the mental health thing, you know, I, I want to be, I don't want to be someone who's taking away, you know, from my household, you know, um, in any, you know, kind of way to justify, you know, oh, I'm a songwriter. I need to be heard. And like, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to be that kind of person, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, not to play the devil's advocate, which I, it's funny. I never really, I don't think I do that in these conversations, but um, you do deserve to be heard and your music is freaking great. And um, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of, of getting in, getting out, doing your thing and leaving this specific legacy. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up or sell yourself short. I just, I think, yeah. I think, I think you're really great. And I love the new record. I can't believe the, okay. So just for the listeners, when, when we normally finish an album musicians, you have like a four month window until it comes out. And mm-hmm. then um, those four months are fraught, right? What is the world going to think of my record? Is Are people going to get it? You've now been going through this for what, probably 16 months or some extended yeah. version. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's incredibly hard what you're just now finishing. And I, yeah. I applaud you for hanging in there. Well, thanks. It means a lot coming from you too, man. Cause I'm, you know, you're, you know, on the, on the front end of a lot of, you know, where, when I was starting, you know, trying to do this stuff, you know, you're kind of one of those bands, you know, that, that was doing this, like kind of, you know, what is this and, and how do we think about this? I mean, I actually listened to you on uh, Joe Pug's podcast oh, a yeah. couple of weeks ago and it was a great conversation. I, I love, I love Joe's podcast and he's such a great interviewer and, and, um, but yeah, it's always interesting hearing, you know, someone who came, you know, 10 years, 15 years yeah. before and kind of, you know, how those things all culminate and, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a good reminder too. Like we're all doing the same thing together you know, and we all just kind of are representing little corners and saying, well, this is what's going on over here. And well, this is what, what we're dealing with over here, you know? Um, but yeah, man, it means a lot coming from you for sure, man. And, and thanks for having me on this thing. This is, yeah, I was stoked. I was stoked to, to get the message. <laughs> ah, well, me too. And I, I just, I can't wait for folks to hear the new record. I really think it's so great. And, um, and I, I, for one hope that there's more to come in the future and also short stories and or a novel. Hey, a novel if you want. You know, we'll see. Once I finish this Stephen King book, might might get inspired. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Oh, if you do want to stick with the short stories, and now I'm just giving you and the listeners a recommendation. The um George Saunders most recent album or album uh, book, which I can never get the name of right. It's like floating on your back in a pond on a rainy evening or something. It's <laughs> it's some really <laughs> But oh, George Saunders, poor guy. I've, I've read it twice and I can't remember <laughs> oh, really? the name of it. Um, but it's George <laughs> he's Saunders. Is, he's a great short story writer. And uh, yeah, he's great. Boy, is that a book of short stories, that book, or is it a novel? Okay. So it's a book of he, a class he teaches where he teaches Russian short stories. And then he goes through those short stories and explains to you how short stories are made and why these are so good. 
it's basically uh, like taking his class and it's so oh, great. That sounds really interesting. It made me want to write short stories. And uh, if you're already on that path, you would love it. Cool. I'll, I'll check that out. Cause uh, yeah, I've, I've dig his short story stuff and, and, but yeah, I haven't checked in with him in a couple of years actually. So that that's cool. I'm glad you mentioned him. So good. Well, your stuff kind of reminds me of him. It's that sly sense of humor and the sort of dark comedy that infuses all of it. So uh, thank you so much, Joe, for joining yeah, me. Thank you, Rhett. This. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. It's great. The pleasure's mine. We get to hang out or share a stage together in real life soon. Yeah, let's do that someday. Awesome. Take care. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.